Andres Segovia Show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Andres Segovia Show. I am your host, Andres Segovia. Uh, I, as I record this, this is actually in the aftermath of um, the Easter massacre that happened in Sri Lanka, and I didn't think I was going to address anything of the sort, but I, I can't stay quiet about it. It's really put me in a somber mood uh, this week. It even uh, affected my daily operations um, altogether because as a fellow believer, um, I mourned with those that lost family, um, that lost friends and other loved ones. And I think what was upsetting all the more, <clears throat> excuse me, Sorry about that. I think what upset me all the more was the failure of, of recognition about the atrocity that, that was committed. Because it, we should call evil for what it is, no matter uh, who's the one doing it. Whether it's a lone gunman of a white supremacist group uh, shooting up a couple of mosques, or seven um, fundamentalist Islamics uh, bombing churches in in Sri Lanka, we should call evil for what it is. So uh, the the attack was carried out by um, Islamic terrorists. And for some reason uh, or another, the, the media throughout the world, including here in the United States, and leaders have been too scared to call it out for what it is. And have even, in some cases here, have even refused to even name that Christians were the ones that were targeted. So as a, as a fellow Christian, my, my heart goes out to to the survivors that are are scarred by this know that uh, if you're one of those uh, victims or related to victims that uh, my thoughts and prayers are are with you all and well i I feel so powerless in in this case but um i do service my my prayers to to all of you and uh, for god's grace and protection to shine over all of you in in these hard times and for our brothers and sisters throughout the world so I didn't want to dwell much on this, but I just needed to get this literally off my chest because it's been weighing me down considerably. And I figured because this is the particular episode where I address news, uh, I figured to address it here. And I think I can feel a little better to to move on um, because there's not much else for anyone to do but to, to move on uh, in life. Because if we stop doing what we do, then the terrorists win. Right. But uh, that's all I'll devote to that. I did not mean to start with a somber move, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, just to know that I am human just like anybody else. I am affected by news just like anybody else. Sad stories sadden me and uh, inspirational stories inspire me. So just uh, me being human, um, connecting with every one of you. I, I want to mention to you, you're going to want to stick around um, after I give you the news and headlines because I had the opportunity to interview Joni Weir. She's the head of Better Homes for Long Beach and uh, she ended up taking her political action beyond Long Beach to fight statewide rent control. So let's get through these news articles as quickly as we can before I fall asleep. Let's start with this USA Today article. As pricey homes at the market, the medium list for a home reaches record $300,000. So this is the uh, one of the big articles that led into the new month because a lot of expensive property was, was reaching um, the market. 
for sale and that was pushing up the median price for homes. This was based on numbers run by Realtor.com. Now, this is taking into account national housing, okay? This isn't localized market. So you might hear 300,000 and say, whoa, that's cheap. Where can I get in on that? I can tell you it's not here in California. Sorry. That's uh, the USA Today uh, putting in that records. Check with your local agent to find out how that has affected home prices in your area if you're interested in getting into buying a property. So now this other article relating into, um, I guess, rising prices. In this case, it's a good side about income. Los Angeles is having a loud economic boom. This is um, from Bloomberg where they were talking about um, that uh, the, the, the increase in activity uh, in, in the economy or con- contributions to the economy here in Los Angeles have really bolstered its performance where it's outperforming the number one city in the state, which is New York, and number two, which is Chicago. And of course, the rest of the U.S. It's measured by the growth of personal income, gross domestic product per capita, jobs, home prices, global trade and transportation, corporate economy, and municipal debt. Los Angeles has become the most productive of the five biggest U.S. cities. That's a big deal. And it even mentions that its perennial calamity of homelessness receded significantly for the first time since last year, which is also a very positive thing under uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. That's actually um, really good to see. I'm really curious to see how all this will in terms affect people's affordability issues because even though we've had this economic boom a lot of people still cannot afford housing so how this is all in relation i'm really curious to see how the economics of all this will all play out all right our next article is from the wall street journal this is regarding the house flipping or the the flipper house flipping is back to pre-crisis levels and pre-crisis being before the economic meltdown the the housing meltdown 2007-2008 the house flipping is back to those levels and wall journals making the case for why it's less of a concern now and it has more to do with flippers today having a much larger profit margin than those at the peak of the previous housing cycle a new analysis from CoreLogic in suggests that most of the current flips are less risky than those from a decade ago making today's flippers less likely to cause market volatility if prices decline in the next few years so our next article is from the los angeles times the headline is inglewood stadium deal is threatening one of california's last black enclaves this is referring to the the stadium for the Rams and Chargers being built in, in Inglewood. It, re- it replaced the Hollywood Park, which is akin to the Santa Anita Park where the horse races took place. This stadium was being uh, built up. And because of that, there has been a lot of development in that area regarding like a property being bought up and used for for either luxury apartments or condos and, uh, and and such. So that has actually forced the prices to go up for the area as a whole. It has affected uh, residents there, either those that are renting and or trying to buy. It's becoming out of their reach. So this has been in effect, in a way, contributed to um, the affordability issue that uh, we're still experiencing here in, in California. And this is because of the major project that has been the stadium. Um, it's an interesting read that I do recommend people read up. This is re- one of the reasons why Inglewood, I believe, has been pushing for rent control as well. So we'll see how this uh, ultimately plays itself out. I feel it's important to know, um, regardless of what side you stand on the whole rent control issue, I believe this is something that we should be learning about, about uh, the effect effects of, of economic booms, which is why I mentioned that the Los Angeles economic boom is interesting to, as a follow-up because I'm curious to see how it will affect um, housing affordability, if at all. This next article is kind of in the same tune to that, and that's regarding home sale prices in opportunity zones jumping at 25%. 
The home sales price of residential properties in designated opportunity zones rose by more than 25% over the last year, according to a New Zillow report. It was created as a part of the 2017 tax overhaul. Opportunity zone programs gave de- give developers and investors a tax benefit only if they build new construction or substantially rehabilitate existing properties. The 8,700 zones are in distressed areas where investments could help lift the community. And I wonder if this has any relation to what was going on with the stadium, which is that was way before any tax initiatives. But um, I'm just curious to see if there's any correlation between those things, because I would hate for people to also experience the other side where they can't afford. Again, we'll see. This is me just talking out loud, people. All right. So this is the next headline. I hope you're not eating as I talk to you about this. And if you're in San Francisco, then you already know. This is from the San Francisco Gate. And it says, people are pooping more than ever on the streets of San Francisco. And there's an interesting graph that's posted on this. And all these articles are available in the resources of the show notes at my website, www.theandrewsagovashow.com. And it shows a graph of human feces incidents by year in San Francisco. There is a literal poop patrol, patrolling the streets to clean this up. It's one of America's wealthiest cities. And they have a huge problem with public poop. Are they no access to bathrooms there? It's crazy. In 2011, they had calc- they had counted f- over 5,500 instances or incidents of human feces found on the streets of San Francisco. Correlate that to 2018, where it's 28,000 incidents. I don't want to go to San Francisco. And if you live there, my goodness, how do you put up with this? At FYI, for any of you that, that, that don't know, this is a rent control region. If rent control doesn't benefit those that live there, how would it benefit your area? That wraps up for, oh wait, I have one more article, almost forgot. This is from Fox Business. And of course, I always expect this. This article says, home sales fall 4.9% in slow start to spring buy-in season. We always look for these articles because the negative articles are the ones that jump out most of all. So there is uh, some interesting aspects to this though. Um, the National Association of Realtors said Monday that home sales fell 4.9% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 5.21 million, down from 5.48 million in February. The drop followed an 11.2 gain the previous month, the largest in more than three years. Home sales are struggling to rebound after slumping in the second half of last year when a jump in mortgage rates to nearly 5% discouraged many would-be buyers. Spring buying is so far running behind last year's um, healthy gains. And that's interesting, considering that most analysts expect sales to rebound in the coming months. Borrowing costs have since fallen back to an average of 4.2% on a 30-year fixed mortgage. And depending on where you are, you might be able to get something lower. Another item that wasn't, it is mentioned in the article, but I'll just throw out to you here, is that when we had the government shutdown, well, for those that got FHA loans, which is Federal Housing Authority, those loans were basically delayed until the government opened up again. So all that had an effect on the home sales numbers of set time. So when you see these figures you got to really dig in don't just read the headlines there's more to it and again this is at the national level not the local level because anything like me in my market i i see the for sale signs go up and then i see sell pending signs on them and then i see the sold signs on them and the signs are gone the people move in and it's been crazy to see that in the supposed slow season i'm like wow there's a lot of property turning over here still so just fyi people are still buying at what 
prices and rates it's uh to each their own but all right so that wraps up the main headline news that i wanted to cover over all of them i don't know how this uh mystery surcharge gas thing got into my stack of stuff maybe something i was in- reading that was interesting but we also do have an issue with uh, gas prices here in, uh, in in california so that's also a headline for you but now i'm gonna segue to tell you about it, the awesome experience i had at the um, apartment association of america's million dollar trade show and landlord conference in long beach last week it was it was april 17 you heard me announce it on the show here and this is my third time attending and i will attend the fourth time i had more fun this time because I networked with people last year and I was able to reconnect with some of them this year and I was able to talk to some of my favorite speakers this year that I couldn't last year because they were always swamped with people. Uh, one of the always the biggest draws at any of these places is Dennis Block's updates, but I missed the entirety of that presentation, including Bruce Norris' presentation about uh, um, what to prepare for in case of an economic downturn. I missed those two presentations because I was busy interviewing Joni Weir from Better Homes uh, for Long Beach, and she has an, a, a very uh, thorough update about the, the fight against rent control. So just a quick background about the organization. Last year, when Long Beach was one of the few cities here in, in Southern California that was looking to establish rent control, she led the charge. So I had an opportunity to sit down with her and uh, get an update about rent control. We talk about the locally, in this case, Long Beach, uh, rent control situation, and what's still being battled out with the city council, and then also talk about the, the statewide legislator and what's coming down the pipeline, what we might see in the next election, which is not that far away, maybe less than 18 months away already, crazy, and what we might be able to see there. Of course, this is the beginning stages, but the more you know, the better decision you'll make in the long run and also be able to inform those that you have an influence on. Here is my interview with Joni Weir. Thank you so much for sitting down with me, or I'm sitting down with you. Uh, but uh, uh, last year, like as I mentioned, so I'm reiterating, um, that's where we introduced one, to one another. You were leading the charge against Prop 10. Well, it wasn't even Prop 10 just yet because we didn't know. Sorry, but you. 1506. Yeah, so, so that was uh, um, an issue that Long Beach ran across, and it, I attribute you to being the ones who quite literally single-handedly bringing that down um, and then leading the charge again to, for prop, uh, against Prop 10. So this year, it, I know these groups, they, they were meeting in January 23rd in Sacramento already for the next launch and trying to introduce some form of rent control or at least remove Costa Hawkins. Uh, what's the latest happening uh, in, the, in the world that you see for rent control? Well, Better Housing for Long Beach shut down Prop 10, helped shut down. We were big, big supporters in shutting that down. Then we also shut down the local rent control by educating the communities and letting them know that rent control does not keep rents low. Well, the activists uh, got together with the city council in Long Beach and decided to push rent control under a different name called Tenant Protections and Tenant Relocation, which is very dishonest. Mm. The people, they're not listening to the will of the people, they're putting their own will on the people. And so in the council has voted to push that through rent control under a different name. Um, we are opposing it. We've got three months to get on, get you know, to get, to change the hearts and minds at council or to shut that down. Three months. Three months. Is that... The, vote, the council has voted on it. It's codified in two to three months. Three months at the most, two months the least amount of time. So they still have to vote, do a final vote. We are short one or two votes. So we need to change a vote around right now. So, and just to be clear, 
So this is a vote that the city council is doing. It's not a vote that that technically the people are going to go do. It's not of the people. It's against the will of the people. They're mm-hmm. going against the will of the people and putting their own will on the people for political reasons. Of course. That seems to always be the case. With yeah. the, now, what's, what's happening on a state level is AB, uh, which is AB Proposition 10, uh-huh. is now changed to AB 1482, which is the new Prop 10. So they're going to go again and try to push this statewide rent control again. And is this something that, like before, well, because those ABs, um, these are uh, these are up for legislative votes. That is correct. So in the case of Prop 10, that made it to the ballot That's where right. we had a vote. So are these the early stages? Because yes. there's some people that are agnostic to politics. They have no idea what's going That's on. Right. So this Most means... The Housing Commission first. Uh-huh. Then once the Housing Commission approves it, if they do, then it goes on the floor for a vote, and then it goes... You know, it just keeps going. So we have to stop it now while it's, it's hitting the... I'm not sure. We just found out about it like two days ago. Yeah. So it's new and I, and I believe it's probably going to go into ha- the Housing Commission. The Housing Commission, okay. There's actually 12 attacks, 12 ordinances that are going to go against property owners, which is horrific. It's and amazing. that's a strategy they use to overwhelm us. So we just, we don't know what to fight next. And I think it's... It's dishonest, it does a disservice to tenants, and it does a disservice to property owners and the community because they don't really care about the people, they care about their own political agendas. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's the point of why I want to, why I want an opportunity to sit down with you is because people need to know. Yes. And renters need to know that they're going to be pushed out of their homes with these policies, and small mom and pops need to know that they're going to be pushed out of their property. And what happens is people don't, they don't understand that. They're told a lie, and they believe the lie. And one thing that I do with activists when they tell me how great rent control is, I ask them a question. I ask them, tell me a city that has rent control that's affordable, and you're not going to find one. Because the cities that have had rent control since 1979 have the highest rents in the nation. Why is that? Because you push the small property owners that are giving properties, uh, that are providing affordable properties, housing, you're pushing them out of business. They, in turn, are selling to developers that are not building affordable housing. They're building, they're going to tear down that building and they're going to buy something so they can make a return on their investment. Absolutely. And that's going to be higher rents. So we need to educate renters that they're being lied to by the mayor of Long Beach, lied to the community. He lied to the people that donated to him. You know, all the people that were opposed to this, he told them he was against rent control, and then he pushed this through. Oh, wow. Yes. He pushed this this tenant policy through. So he's not a very honest man. That's that's unfortunate. And a lot of the council members, every council person, when they took donations, signed a document that they would not support rent control, and every one of them signed that document. All nine council members, six of them just changed their mind after they took a lot of money from housing providers, the real estate boards, small mom and pops, and they stabbed them in the shoulders, they stabbed them in the back. Yeah, unfortunately, that seems to be a theme with politics, but uh, we can definitely make our voice heard still. They're not going to shut us down because, like you said, they're trying to overwhelm us. They're trying to overwhelm us and scare us. And what they're doing is when they scare the property owner into selling, 
the renter loses their home. So how is that helping with the housing crisis? It's adding to it because for them to push more policy, they need to make bigger crises. So they're creating a crisis, and then they get to create more policy that destroys our industry and takes our rights away. And that's what's happening. We're losing our rights, our personal property rights. Those are amendment rights. They're attacking us. And they're taking away our rights. They're doing forced inspections in our homes. They're asking tenants for their personal identification. How appropriate is that? It's not appropriate at all. So we need to stay strong and we need to fight this because we will lose our rights if we don't fight against this bad policy. Absolutely. And I strongly believe that our freedoms begin with our property rights. That's it was established right. by our founding fathers. That was That's the point. Right. They're taking away our freedoms to control it. And it's not appropriate, and it's dishonest, and it's illegal. Yeah, definitely is. And I want to thank you for your time to, to take some time to talk to me about this, to bring this news to the masses, because uh, I try to educate my listeners to about the, the real threats that are out there for home ownership. Because um, there's a lot of negative information. If they look up, hey, is buying a house a good investment? Everything you look at in the past 18 months say no, it's not. And it's like, those are investors saying this thing. It's not like it's just your your average mode that had a bad experience. No, these it's investors saying this, but they're saying it in a way to bait you to say, so this is how. Well, if you're not giving them the punchline in that article, they just ran away with that information and went with it. So if they hear, oh yeah, rent control is good because it caps the rent increase, then yeah, I get to pay less. Yeah, but do you know what rent control actually does? And some people don't have that conversation, which is... Rent control gentrifies quickly minorities out of their homes in the community. And anybody that disputes that is a liar because Santa Monica lost 30% of the Latin community when rent control was implemented and that demographic remains the same to date. So when they tell you it's going to keep you in your home, tell them to show you the proof because the truth is on our side. The lie is on their side. They're lying when they tell you it's going to keep you in your home. There's been videos equating rent control to a bomb in a city because that's how much devastation it's going to create. And that's how much homelessness it's going to create. Los Angeles, highest homeless population, has had rent control since 1979. It hasn't helped San Francisco. Didn't help San Francisco. (laughs) Who wants to go there now? You're destroying communities, someone benefits, follow the money, and you're going to see where this is coming from. Tom Steyer pushing his agendas, California Endowment, Weinstein from the AIDS organization, they're all going to be going into the housing housing business. Weinstein is going to go into affordable housing. So he's putting out all these people out of business by pushing policy that's going to cost us our properties. So thank you very much for, for your time and expressing um, all this information and making sure that we're all informed. Keep up the excellent work. Where can people learn more about Better Homes for Long Beach and all your efforts? Better Housing for Long Beach. They can always go to our website, which is www.betterhousingforlongbeach.com. Or you can call me on my personal line. It's Joni at Better Housing for Long Beach. My personal line is 310-926-3309 or our Better Housing line, which is... 562-786-9854. I'm Joni Weir. I'm the president. I'm committed to fighting for you to 
preserve your personal property rights. Thank you very much. I'll, these will all be posted on my show notes, so everybody will be able to pick them up from there. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much again. And that wraps up my interview with Joni. We are very timely, very informative. And to learn more about uh, her political action group and their efforts to battle rent control and your rights as property owners, go to www.betterhousingforlongbeach.com. I know I was mentioning Better Homes for Long Beach, but it's Better Housing. Uh, just, it's almost the same thing. Um, also, on the show notes accompanying this episode at www.theandressegovia.com, you'll be able to find all her contact information that she was referencing at the conclusion of the interview. So once again, the, at the show notes, uh, www.theandressegovia.com. I have an announcement to make as well because on this program, you heard me talk about the Mark One Wealth Academy. And in, in conjunction with that, I've of course, I've been talking to you about uh, real estate being the fastest and safest path to wealth. Over 80% of the average American's net worth is the equity in their home. On average, wealth growth through a home will more than triple a homeowner's 401k or IRA. So real estate has the intrinsic ability to grow massive amounts of wealth without the need to save money, so to speak. So if you're in the Southern California area, specifically uh, Santa Ana, Saturday, May 4th, write this down, Saturday, May 4th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., Mark One Mortgage will be hosting a presentation for consumers. It's, it's free for any to attend so you'll be able to learn more about this by going to www.mark1wealthacademy.com that's www.mark1wealthacademy.com so you can register for this event find a section referenced by or referred by write down yours truly andres agovia refer to you to go you'll get in for free it's presented by Mark Prather. He's the author of Why the Rich Stay Rich and the Poor Stay Poor. And he's the founder of the Mark One Wealth Academy and, of course, the founder of Mark One Mortgage. So once again, it's from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Saturday, May 4th at the Embassy Suites in Santa Ana. Address 1325 East Dyer Road, Santa Ana in California, of course. So you're able to attend by all means go. You'll be able to learn why real estate is the fastest and safest path to wealth, the five economic benefits of real estate, the major flaws of the 401k and the IRA, and five critical questions that will determine your financial future. That's Saturday, May 4th, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Embassy Suites. All right, so I want to give you one last update, and that's in reference to the show itself. So my show, what what is going on? What's happening? Why aren't all the episodes appearing on YouTube for those of you that subscribed on YouTube? First off, let me thank you for subscribing to my show. I recommend that you subscribe to wherever you're listening to the show through a podcast medium of your choice, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, um, Google Podcast, uh, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, and other ones. The core of the show is hosted on those podcast directories. I don't post the episodes to YouTube regularly on purpose. YouTube will host its own exclusive video content that's in the works currently and scheduled to launch hopefully by the end of May at this rate. So I suggest you subscribe and hit that bell so you'll be notified for all the latest updates that are there. In the interim period, which is between now and the time those videos launch, you'll see some of these episodes show up on YouTube, but it won't be all of them. And one last thing, that Instagram TV. Instagram TV, yes, I'm on Instagram TV as well. That's where the lifestyle approach and behind the scenes stuff of what I do is gonna be posted. Some of the stuff I've already been posted, but I'll be posting more lifestyle stuff on it. So I recommend that you follow me across all three mediums, whatever podcast directory of your preference, uh, YouTube and Instagram TV, at the on 
Andres Segovia. I'm across all things and this is content that I bring to you and it's just exciting stuff that I want to share with all of you. So that does it for this episode of The Andres Segovia Show. Remember, like, share, subscribe wherever you may be listening to the show. If you have any questions, leave it at the Facebook page at The Andres Segovia. All of these links are posted on the show notes of TheAndresSegovia.com. Again, that does it and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.